Game Cola Faithful, and welcome to the Game Cola Podcast. This is podcast number 148, not too early or too late, and I am your host and podcast commander, Joseph Martin, joined by Alex the Jedi Jedrizek, John uh, the Johnny Rizzy, and James the Jamesy James. James James. Is that like Mario Mario? <laughs> I don't I don't know how to kind of I don't fired. know how to make my name sound funny. You are fired. <laughs> but I don't even work here. I mean we're not getting paid anyway, so <laughs> Wait, what? You guys are getting paid? <laughs> I'm out of here. Dearly beloved, <laughs> we are gathered here today to mourn the loss. Of a man, nay, an icon, nay, a friend to us all. Mario Jumpman Mario, you were an inspiration to a world of gaming. And it is such a tragedy that you were taken from us before your time on March 31st, 2021. Our beloved plumber passed away. In the night, never to be seen again. I'm sure you are all in a period of deep mourning at this time, and I would like to invite the other members of the Game Cola staff to share their stories and condolences at this time. Oh, Mario, Mario, Mario! Despite the fact, no, Mario Jumpman, Mario—a <laughs> common misconception. <laughs> Despite the fact that. Joe started this eulogy with the words that you normally hear at the beginning of weddings. I looked it up. It's also used for this. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage is what brings us together but today. But not today. No, no glow who invited you. <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, I was going to perhaps... say, you know, it, it's a shame he was only alive for 21 days. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was born 35 years he was he was born on mar io and he's gone <laughs> on mar uh presumably ei <laughs> for those who have no idea what we are going on about um you may have noticed that certain video games are unavailable to be purchased at this time on after the date in question that is because the most significant being uh super mario brothers 3d all-stars or whatever the actual title of it the collection of super mario 64 super mario sunshine and super mario galaxy is no longer available digitally and will presumably no longer be given new copies will not be given to stores to sell though of course physical copies will continue to persist till the end of time but <laughs> The morning is thousands in the fact, of dollars in the used market. Yes, the morning even is in the, that. Even though there's eight, there's actually eight million physical copies of that game mm -hmm. out there. Yeah, that game, um, and the Mario Thirty Five. Everybody plays Mario at the same time. Game. I don't even know if you can play it anymore. You definitely can't download it. Nope. You can't play. You it. cannot play it anymore. Damn. Yeah. It's, it's, even, that, that, and then that also a make fire any emblem sense to me. Also, a Fire I mean, Emblem game. Oh yeah, Fire <laughs> Emblem yeah, One. The Fire, the 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 translation, the first ever time the game was translated, aside from you know the the DS remake, 
<laughs> that came out ten you know ten fifteen years ago. But that one didn't just, have big old bits of blocks. We're just going to pretend James. that didn't happen. Apparently, it didn't have big old bits of blocks. Is it even the same video game? Mm-hmm. In a tiny little box. I want my big blocks in my video games, James. <laughs> Only the biggest blocks for me. I want one solid changing pixel. That is the peak of video games to me, and probably where the indie space is gradually tending towards at this rate. Yeah, I'm talking yeah. Duplo um, over here. <laughs> wow, look at the graphics. Um, so the the question on everyone's mind, I'm pretty sure, in a sense, um, some more esoterically than others, is why? Why has Nintendo why decided to, to stop? making or producing or allowing the purchase of a video game that by all accounts people will want to purchase and play fairly indefinitely given the very nature of it being a game that is contains several older games that people were interested in playing far into the future from their original releases i have an answer what is your answer it might also be my answer. capitalism well yes the corporate the real corporate answer is to create artificial demand and value. Right. <laughs> to so people will flock and they'll meet and they'll all buy the game within a certain period of time and it'll make their financial stocks go up for a certain amount of time and then so they look at that financial period and be like, "Hey, we did great this time." Right. Right. All right time to pull this stuff out so we don't lose money on keeping it on the on the shop. So what John is alluding to is the fact that uh, this cutoff date um, for, you know, fear of missing out, if you don't buy the game by this date, you can't get it, um, comes right at the end of a financial quarter. I believe the first one would be my guess, considering it's March. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. But I am the not a businessman. Um, so I cannot say for sure. But, uh, so the idea potentially being that they want to squeeze all of the potential sales of this game out as fast as possible to get that number for that quarter up, presumably believing that any other games they have coming for the second quarter would make up for it, or they don't care about the second quarter as much. I imagine Q1 and Q4 are the, like, most important quarters because that's when all the video games come out. (laughs) So the other thing, in addition to the whole, like, quarter stuff, quarter one and quarter four and, and all of that shebang, um, is something that I think sort of speaks broader to Nintendo's strategy because there are a lot of ways to make money with video games in ways that are anti-consumer and perhaps even unethical. Mm-hmm. Um, but why this one in particular, right? Uh, and this goes to my conspiracy theory that nintendo is trying to be disney and not just regular disney but specifically 1990s disney Hmm. the disney vault has come back you've got the disney Disney nintendo had bought it you've got the disney vault with the mario 3d all-stars you've got a theme park that they've just announced and is opened up. They are getting even more obsessive and protective of their IP. Yeah. Very, I feel like they're really just using Disney's rise to media oligarchy. 
that's I'm probably mm. not using that word correctly, but you get the vibe <laughs> I'm going for. Um, they're using the growth of Disney as a template for how they yeah. want to grow their work into a globally recognized brand in a similar way. I think I really think that that is like almost explicitly what they're doing. But I and I don't know. Like obviously we don't like it, especially the the. Well, I think people like the theme park. The theme park's fine. I've heard good things. Uh, compa- about the at least within the scope of how theme parks are, maybe there's something where theme parks are killing the planet. But it's no worse <laughs> than any other theme park, and people seem down with it. So I won't rag on the theme yeah. park. It's just part of the general theme. But the being super protective park. of the IP and yes, thank you, James. Um and <laughs> the these uh basically vault right. Like I'm I bet like you know next console. They will roll 3D All-Stars back out, if my theory is correct. They, their plan is to roll the game out periodically, get that bump in sales from fear of missing out, and then... Well, also that... Then, um, it, you know, take it away again. Yeah, the, the, the taking it away part. Uh, it's sort of like how uh, if you wanted to buy Pinocchio, um, it came out on VHS, it came out on DVD... Mm-hmm. It came out on Blu-ray, you know, mm-hmm. like... Right, right, exactly. The, there's a built-in aspect of, like, even if they wanted to continue the Switch store over to uh, the new Switch U... Um, Switch U? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, the, the... How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? Yeah, that they even if they wanted to continue the store over, well, you still don't have the game, you know. Um, you have to purchase it yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can recycle that whole that whole thing. the 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 problem is though that, and and why I think that like part of this may be wishful thinking that I just hope this doesn't go the way they want it to, and they give up on the whole idea. Um, and maybe that's just me, but uh, and my desires. But I I think that like. The problem with copying 1990s Disney strategies is that it is no longer the 1990s. Yeah. Like Disney, yeah. Disney, the Disney vault concept completely breaks down in the advent of streaming and digital media ownership. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. with the physical copies, there is at least this veneer of, oh, they're just choosing not to sell the product. And there, I think a lot of games like, they don't publicize it, and in that sense, that's where you build in the fear of missing out aspect of it. But there are probably a lot of games that, like, at some point said, we're not going to take our game down from the store, but we're not selling enough that it makes sense to keep making physical copies. And so yeah. they cut off the physical copies, but there's yeah. no sense in taking it down from the store because the game will just be available. They pay for the infrastructure regardless. Right, and... You can save money not selling physical, but if you've already all of the cost of the digital really goes into the front end, and I, I, yeah, I so don't. If anything, you lose money by not <laughs> continuing to sell. Right, it, which that. Sorry, go. go well, ahead. I was just gonna well, jump into with Jetty because Jetty has experience with um, not just digital platforms, but did, did you do Xbox Live? I know Paul did. Yeah, well, Xbox yeah, Live briefly, I I was on Xbox Live Indie Games. Yes, I. 
But I mean, it's just like in the same thing, like, right, once you put your game on Xbox Live Indie Games, unless people were mad at you about something and you wanted to disappear <laughs> off the face of the planet, there's no cost to keeping a game on a digital platform, right? Yeah. Unless there's some sort of subscription well, model of being um, a they, member or whatever. So there, there was actually a subscription model for being a developer and being allowed to publish games on the thing, but... um. I don't think you actually had to continue paying after that point. After your game was published, it was up regardless of whether you paid the uh, $90 a year Xbox Live Indie Games developer fee. Well, he, here's the here's where that doesn't really work, though. Nintendo owns their store. They don't have to pay their own publishing and licensing <laughs> fees because this is a first-party right. title. Like, e even if it was another, a third-party developer, you could theoretically make that argument because I, I don't know how much every, or at least the average consumer at least, knows about how publishing on the online shop works. But this is Nintendo. Right. It's their own platform, their own store, they don't have to pay anything to keep the game up. Right, that is my that is that is my point. Like the the digital you can't use the 90s vault concept in a realm where digital media ownership exists. Even regardless, like your points are good, but even regardless of those points, it really just doesn't bear out in the details. I mean, and I, and I feel like even from like consumer attitudes, right? Like you see people getting upset about like a show that they watch all the mm -hmm. time there are those people who watch the office at literally every waking moment of their <laughs> lives and i don't understand it but i can respect it and it's it makes no it's sense. their all right. it's their prerogative and if it brings them joy happy for them but you know something moves to another platform and people get upset about that like so it's not i don't know the people seemed i don't know so so one thing i was going to say is um I do think that you're right with the uh, the artificial scarcity and also with the uh, the fear of missing out is that uh, if they just put the game up and there's no limits, everyone's going to sit there with it on their uh, their wish list and wait for the one day that perhaps it goes 10% off. And then maybe one day in a few years, they might buy it. Uh, meanwhile, if they say, hey, it's there for limited time, anyone who was considering buying it is going to buy it immediately right exactly right yeah i just so, don't know if that works it'll certainly work i think it'll certainly bear out in the short term right like the economics yeah. of it completely removing any sort of moral or ethical considerations it, it should work like the basic theory of it makes sense i just don't know i certainly don't want it to be what they do from here on out and I don't know if when they review the effects of it, how it does affect their brand, you know, how, I mean, like people were talking about it and maybe they don't want to have all of that negative attention and every time they take something <laughs> off, right? Because they may have gotten a lot of money, but they did also get, I would say, considerably more negative attention than they usually get for a lot of their other stuff, um, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that people complain about that Nintendo does, but like, not really in a way that I would say affects their brand, but people talking about the death of Mario, kind of like what we're doing here, <laughs> that kind of feels like the thing that would actually get to them. Like, they don't care if you get upset that they shut down a tournament because of weird internet hack stuff. 
right? They don't, I really don't think that they care about that because it's really focused on a subset of the community that is all that is also kind of a subset of that community and it's still like it's it's not that doesn't mean that it's not important in a larger sense but in terms of like how much nintendo has to care about that how much it costs them to act the way that they do i feel like for the greater gaming space it doesn't really have an effect on them whereas like people talking about their main mascot dying (laughs) and making that joke that feels like even though i feel like that is less important like that kind of joke is less important it feels like based on the way that they've been handling their ip that that is something that would bother them more if that makes sense i i will also here's hoping it does (laughs) yeah yeah i will also say though we're doing our part (laughs) yeah there's a point though where you know there's no such thing as bad press that like we're here we're talking about a topic that otherwise we wouldn't have and that Mm -hmm. that uh sort of makes us think more about the nintendo switch and games that might be on there and that uh just due to talking about it and discussing it and you know listening to this podcast on uh, your platform of choice whether it be itunes or spotify or youtube or wherever else you might find us that that just gets your mind on the topic and then causes you to later go and play your switch more often and you know buy other games uh so there's a point where at a corporate level they don't actually care they care more about the fact that you're discussing it than temporary uh you know consumer sentiment over a topic that doesn't directly affect purchasing like oh the death of mario it seems like a uh you know a, a sad topic but it's getting you talking about mario right i definitely agree with that and mm. like logically that makes sense i just feel like the way that nintendo has been handling their ip and being persnickety with it yeah it would end up bothering them like even for if a fin- in a financial sense no press no press is bad press like i still think that their brand yeah. ip team that cares a lot about things to the point that it really affects the way that they design their video games. Yeah. I feel like this would get under their skin. Yeah, no, I can um, agree with to that. The, to the extent that that would actually affect anything, I have no idea. I would also you know, counter that with saying we talk about Nintendo Switch games pretty much all the time on this podcast. <laughs> so yeah. us talking about it in a negative light is at least net neutral in terms of our impact on helping Nintendo out in times like these. Yes. <laughs> the question is all about their mm-hmm. yeah it's just in the long run it's all about their brand and how much they want to protect it and also how much they want to recoup over having prop their potential losses during a pandemic mm-hmm. most likely i don't know i feel like video that. games probably handle the especially with the fact that there is a lot of digital distribution infrastructure i feel like and like i mean this okay we're sort of segueing i had a whole bit about like what's the next disney-like thing nintendo's gonna do but i don't think it was gonna go anywhere anyway so we'll pivot to what john was talking about because charge charge 60 bucks for skyward sword hd well i I was thinking about you you shared on the discord and i don't know if we've talked about this yet um but you shared on the discord a while back pricecharting.com which tracks Uh, the prices that video games are selling and, you know, I, I did it because I thought it was cool. And you're right. It's kind of like treating your video games like stock, even though practically speaking, video games 
generally, even the ones that maintain their value don't really maintain their value with inflation, really. Like it has to be mm-hmm. increasing in value by a certain amount as it goes, as time goes on for it to actually be an investment in that sense. But like there are certain games that have skyrocketed over the pandemic, including my copy of Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness, which is going <laughs> wild right now. It you, when you I think that's wild. You should see the horror game market. Holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> uh, the poke I, I I believe you there. The the one I'm more familiar with is the Pokemon market. Pokemon market secondhand Pokemon video games have exploded. Um I for a minute, I just heard secondhand Pokemon <laughs> market, and I was like, uh... <laughs> Could you imagine if there was a secondhand Pokemon market in-universe? <laughs> that would be kind of wild. I'm sorry to, to take this topic off, but just that mental image of, like, you know, instead of releasing the Pokemon, you trade them. Like, I no, mean, I, I guess in a, in a sense, trading Pokemon is kind of... <laughs> Like a used market for Pokemon, although definitely not in like the. It's a much more personal sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yo, I'm not. You're not like selling bulk twelve Pokeballs, random, <laughs> random assortment. <laughs> like you just go on eBay. Uh, sorry. Well, yeah, but I just I think like generally like you know the whole collection has just increased in value. And it doesn't really mean anything because I'm probably not going to sell any of them anyway. But maybe when I die, it'll mean something for my family if they want to sell all my video games. Uh, but yeah. oh. but like Pokemon in particular has been increasing. I feel like all of them have been increasing. And I think, you know, people are stuck at home. They're playing more video games, you know, even if you're just factoring out a reduction in commute, right? Yeah. That extra time yeah. is going to hobbies. And for the people who play video games that's probably just extending their video game hobby. Yeah, it's a lot of people getting nostalgic over games they used to play as a mm-hmm. kid. And it's like, oh, right. I had a lot of fun. I'm stuck in this apartment with three people. <laughs> well, it would be cool if we had, like, Mario Party 6 or something. How much is it going for now? Oh, crap. It's almost <laughs> at $100 no. now. I yeah. <laughs> I bought a cartridge of Pokemon Silver a week ago. Mm-hmm. It cost $70. Do you know how much Pokemon Platinum costs? Uh, like, like, uh, 40 bucks? Oh, no. Like, over a hundred. Oh, I should sell my copy then. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't intend on playing it anymore, like, honestly, probably. Hold on, let me look. Uh, We gotta be careful, because otherwise this will become the whole podcast. But I will Just let me looking look up, up the value. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast while the game staff members figure out how much money they can make Actually, selling their old games. I kind of have a point to segue back to what we were talking about before about digital distribution. But oh, go I, for it! I recently bought a new 3ds. Because uh, because I was my old one was dying, and I was like, okay, cool. I'll just I'll just splurge on a new one. I got a paycheck. Why not? So I went on the eShop. On the 3DS, they're still selling, like, all the Game Boy Virtual Console games that they put on, put on there. And I'm like, why haven't these, they taken these down yet? Because they discontinued the 3DS, mm-hmm. but the store is still up. And still is the Wii U eShop. Don't, now that you've said that, mm-hmm. it will go down in time. Well, no, that's the interesting <laughs> I know, thing. I know, but that's, that, that's the thing, it though. Is a you good could point. still, it is a great point. You could but... still buy Pokemon Crystal on your 3DS for 10 bucks. 
Yeah. What what I think it's still interesting. Yeah, like th- the fact that games have become certain games like become available digitally has not had the same sort of impact on the value of the game, right? You would think it would go down, but it that oh, doesn't yeah. really seem to be the case. It it doesn't and I like like Pokemon Platinum, there's literally and we're gonna segue and talk about this more later in the podcast, but Pokemon <laughs> Platinum is literally essentially being remade. People are gonna buy it on the Switch. Why did anybody need to play it now when the they can just play it in a little bit? This this game is worth a hundred and thirty dollars without a case just a little piece of plastic (laughs) my my parents bought for one of my sister's birthday recently they bought just the cart of pokemon ranger shadows of almia i think it was (laughs) the 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 second like the the sequel to the original pokemon ranger just that cartridge i think was 50 bucks yeah i mean Pokemon stuff is going like, and like that 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 Pokemon Platinum has jumped in price by forty dollars since the the remakes were announced. Like, what is me. happening? So it's really anything, interesting. The price should go down. That's what I'm saying. Up. That's what we're saying, James. It doesn't. It's it may, and then, what is this? And then of course, Stonks. You have you have <laughs> Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness worth almost $200, more than I could sell my Wii U for, according to this website. The only thing more expensive (laughs) in my collection, more expensive than the GameCube, the limited edition GameCube themed around the very game, Pokemon (laughs) XD Gale of Darkness, only worth $112. I don't understand how that happens. But also... This is another thing that's wild to me about a lot of this stuff. It's not a good video game. <laughs> it's not good. Hey, listen, I'm sure you're gonna you're the gonna nail take someone the call. I think that. I think po- like Pokemon Coliseum may be better. I have not played it. I know a lot of people talk about Coliseum and really liking it, and that's fair. This is the the whole conceit of it. I played this game as a kid, and you know what? I think the first time I played it, I did enjoy it well enough. But going back, like a decade later, I'm playing it. I'm like, I already feel bored playing this game because it, the it's so samey at the beginning. Because the main thing is that you can only catch shadow Pokemon, which are Pokemon of other trainers that have been mistreated. And so they're shadow. And so you can save them by capturing them from other trainers. But that means that for like half of the game you are limited to the just first six Pokemon that you encounter. And it takes forever for you to even get that team of six. And it's always going to be the same Pokemon. Ah, so that's where the inspiration for Nuzlocke's came from. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I, we don't need to go into it. But that's like the other thing. was like It's not necessarily the quality of the game. In fact, a yeah. lot of the time, the it, it rarely has to do more with how many copies were sold. And if it was a bad game, it probably sold fewer copies. A lot of the time, the worst games of a series end up being the most expensive because it's part of a well-known series, so people know about it, but, so, and then people want it because they want, like, the full series, but they didn't sell a lot of copies, so there aren't a lot of physical copies out there. You see that a lot with, like, for example, Mm. uh, Mega Man X3, I would argue, not really good, but it's very <laughs> expensive compared to the other ones. And if even if you like Mega Man X3, I think you would be hard-pressed to defend it being as much better than the other games as it is more expensive. Same with <laughs> Mega Man, the Mega Man Zero series. Zero 3 
is very clearly considered the best one. I have looked on all of the message boards. Pretty much everyone seems to agree. But and Mega Man Zero One is a mess, and it was basically oh, yeah. an unfinished game, and then they finished it in Zero Two. But it's the most expensive one because they made fewer of it because nobody bought it because it wasn't very good, and they didn't have the brand recognition and all of that. So it's just it's, all of that is interesting. Um, Resident Evil Survivor on the PS One is worth. All a little bit more than the original copies, mm. or like the original entries mm. in the series, and I can guarantee wow. you, the only one on who's probably pay, played Resident Evil Survivor is Angry Video Game Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, so to to pivot away before we become or before this becomes reading the price of video games on a website, the podcast, um, we should maybe go into the the Pokemon discussion that I foreshadowed just. Uh, during this uh, little segment break here. Um, but if you didn't know, because um, we didn't talk about it because it happened like just after we recorded the last podcast, Pokemon did announce uh, two new games. And then there's also new Pokemon Snap, which had already been announced. But if you're interested in new Pokemon Snap, you probably all know the, you know all the information about Pokemon's new Pokemon Snap because there's not very much out there. It's pretty succinct. You can take pictures of Pokemon. <laughs> in the new game and it looks higher fidelity than the old game and you can do it at daytime and at nighttime and wait what nighttime and you can put <laughs> little <Nani>. photo effects <laughs> on the on the photos that you take and share them online and that's pretty much everything so let's but, move on to the hmm? but but can you go to blockbuster and get them printed out i don't think so i mean i didn't even know that was... all the way to alaska <laughs> Uh, Oregon. Yeah, Oregon. Oregon. There was one in Oregon. Oregon. Oh, there's one in... Oh, I thought it was in Alaska or something, the last blockbuster. Nah. Yeah, I mean... That's nah, in Oregon. Or Oregon still well, is pretty that's actually pretty close. Yeah, I, get, I can, oh, yeah, I can drive down there and it only takes six hours. I can drive down there and have my po- my new Pokemon Snap <laughs> we can get photos. Dude, come pick it. me up. We'll make a road trip out of it. We can get... Heck yeah! Game Cola road trip. <laughs> Michael Gray to meet you out there. He's in Oregon. It's yeah. like two hours. Oh, yeah. He goes there all the time, doesn't he? That's right. So perhaps a little more interesting <laughs> than – well, maybe Excuse not. Maybe not you. more interesting than road trips to the last blockbuster in Oregon. <laughs> but nonetheless, more on topic perhaps is uh, the fact that they announced two games. The first was the remakes, the long-awaited and expected and anticipated remakes of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl – um, originally on the Nintendo DS in the mid-2000s, um, being released with a Nintendo Switch versions of each game. Um, interestingly, specifically called out in the presentation, not published directly, or developed, I should say, not developed directly by Game Freak, but by another studio that I forget the name of right off the top of my head. Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, by the way, is the name of the game's. I think uh, the name is kind of eh for me, but I'm also not quite sure what they would have done. Yeah. What if they called it Flawless Diamond? Flawless Diamond. I'm, tr- I'm sure some some fans would have some objections on that one. Yeah, because then it implies that the Pearl version has flaws. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, Ilka is the is the name of the uh... Gazuntite. <laughs> Yes, very nice. Um, I hate you. Sorry. They, uh, they have worked on. Um, it se- it seems like um, with with Pokemon specifically, they worked on Pokemon Home, 
Um, and uh, they've done uh, work on a bunch of other games, like Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, Yakuza 0, I'm just reading a list, Near Automata. Oh. Though, though I should mention that uh, something I have seen pop up is that um, they were not, like, the main developers of any of those games. It seems like that they're, they're perhaps, don't, don't necessarily quote me on this, but my understanding is that they're sort of, like, have been hired out to help produce these games. So, like, basically like additional... Contracted. Yeah, yeah, c- contracted. That's a good way to put it. Probably an accurate way to put it. Being brought on to help produce uh, and develop a game. Um, so, it's sort of up in the air what their abilities are. This will probably, for them as, a like, a company, this is probably sort of big break territory. Like, you know, if they do something that's really well received that probably secures them in this position for the foreseeable future if pokemon remakes are going to be a thing that continues into the foreseeable future if they nail this one they're probably going to be have a consistent source of income and employment for the <laughs> for a while um and it probably means we'll get black and white remakes so that's I'm, oh god so there's that. i'm surprised I'm surprised that they didn't. Um, Game Freak didn't contract uh, Grezzo to do the remakes. That is a good point, actually. They, yeah, because they. I, I was gonna the, think they did the remake of Link's Awakening on Switch, which is a Game Boy game, and it has yeah, and, the same and, exact art style as the Pokemon as the Pokemon yeah, games. Yeah, and they did the the 3DS remakes of uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. My, They're the secondhand Zelda company, basically. My suspicion. <laughs> is that they are probably working on some other Nintendo product right now. That would be, I would say that maybe Game Freak could not land them because they're working on something else. Are they they not working? I would honestly maybe even think that some of their team at least is working on, in some capacity, the Zelda Skyward Sword remake, though that may be a completely different Uh, thing. I don't know. Let me Ooh. let me look that up. Actually, I'm that's curious. that's a good point. I didn't ever see if they were contracting out somebody. Well, but didn't Nintendo do uh, Wind Waker HD, Twilight Princess HD, and all that in house? Yeah, and I think I think I remember I, yeah, this was did. actually in house. So, but I, my guess would be that they're working on something else, um, something yeah, a little more high priority. Like and I say that because I think it's also important to contextualize um, with Diamond and Pearl remakes that these are probably the most like one-to-one take on remakes that we've seen so far. They've kind of emphasized that in the material. Um, A lot of the other remakes focus on really modernizing the art style and, you know, bringing it up. This is, like, certainly they're updating the graphical fidelity, but they are doing a lot more to maintain the original image, right? So the sprite characters are like the same dimensions as they were in the DS games. They're very short and squat in the overworld. And then you've got the full character models Mm -hmm. that appear in battle. Um, This is in part because they also announced coming out uh, in the spring. So this will be coming uh, shining diamond and brilliant pearl coming out in the fall standard November video game rush. You switched the names. Maybe I did. Um, shining diamond is it brilliant diamond and shining it, pearl or shining diamond and brilliant sparkly gemstones that's the important yeah, yeah. pokemon new new diamond and new exactly. pearl um they oh we've been teasing this for too long pokemon legends are yeah arceus 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 however you want to say it it's inconsistent uh, yeah. across the branding 
<laughs> um, I yeah. say Arceus because that's how I read it, and C plus E makes this sound, and that's just stuck in my head. I'm pretty sure the Katakana says otherwise, <laughs> but that's Pokemon. Depending on your regional dialect. Exactly. Um, which is um, a more modern-looking take on a Pokemon game. Um, you're running around in a big old overworld, you're having encounters with Pokemon walking around, but it's, um, it takes place hundreds of years ago, um, during the, I think, you know, if you watch all of the Theorycraft videos, they're like, oh yeah, this takes place in the, uh, late 1800s, or a period akin to the late 1800s, because obviously Pokemon has some sort of alternative history, um, basically. <laughs> the late 1800s. Yes. Um, and it takes place in that era, and it's building off of themes and cultural ideas of that era. Um, which, so that's, and then also I have seen tell, and again, this is sort of rumory, so, you know, mileage may vary when it comes out, but my understanding is, is that it's going to have some sort of active, real-time, uh, RPG battling system, which from my there, understanding, I believe that's confirmed. Okay, that... uh, I saw at least a Japanese publication saying it's going to use a system similar to Final Fantasy's ATB. Right. So that's when the little bar fills up, and then that's when you can use yeah. another attack. And when it fills up, yeah, and it fills up based on like the agility or something of your character, right. and when it's full, you can go. And um, the other, sorry, the, I just want to get this out because I I need to talk about this <laughs> point. Um. They were talking about, so you can go into battle without any Pokemon in your party, mm -hmm. and the Pokemon will just attack you directly mm -hmm. and can knock you out. So you got your combat <laughs> roll. <laughs> can I just say, holy cow, I never thought they would actually do that. I, like, I think they may have done that a little bit in the anime or the manga from time to time, Pokemon attacking humans, but the games... Yeah. I don't think they've ever really discussed that too much, the Pokemon attacking humans or anything like that. But just being a little bit more of a primitive setting, I think that's awesome. Yeah. That they're finally, like, in some capacity talking about, you know, the dynamic of, you know, potentially, I wouldn't, I don't know if hostile, I, I guess hostile is more of a, is an appropriate term to use hostile environment of capturing Pokemon. Didn't yeah. Mewtwo kill, like, 40 people? <laughs> I... Gen 1 doesn't Again, count. that's that's the anime. That's 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 the anime the and the movies. That, it might be in the books, yeah. in the little books in the in the mansion where you read about Mewtwo. In the mansion, yeah. I, I would imagine be. that that would be severely retconned in whatever as counts as Pokemon continuity this, these days. What I'm really interested in almost a morbid curiosity because i'm not entirely sure it's feasible um to land it well is the fact that pokemon has always sort of landed its themes in a near future almost utopian society sort mm -hmm. of framework right it's there's advanced technology but it's not too dissimilar from our modern technology it's near future they also have guns um in the anime. I'm, I'm talking more about the games, and also I think they've retconned that a little bit, too. We're talking about more modern stuff. <laughs> I think they did, because the, ga the game theorists made a, uh, like, 
one of the one of my favorite game theory videos is talking about how Pokemon battling are basically just the only thing standing between full anarchy and armed conflict. It's <laughs> just that, like, without Pokemon battles to act as an intermediary for conflicts and other disagreements, people would just bust out guns. Mm -hmm. So, so like, but like, you know, you can even see in interviews with like the the development leads and like brand ambassadors like they talk about the pokemon mm -hmm. world as like a world that doesn't care doesn't have to worry about things like global warming um or you know warfare right that's the, those aren't themes that are addressed in the modern pokemon games obviously the original didn't really know what it was doing um <laughs> didn't have any sort of forward thinking <laughs> in with a that. lot of ways right but but like it's a, it's a concept that has developed over time but has certainly cemented itself um, you know, you have the oh, technology yeah. is amazing guy. Like that is one of the core. Oh yeah. Of Ever since the first game. That like, you know, the advancement of technology will be a benefit to the world and it will have all of these benefits. Like then th that's sort of the framework that Pokemon has entered and in. Befriending Pokemon as well right. is another aspect of that, of the, the benefits. I think a bunch of the mm -hmm. different games uh, themselves in their plots talk about the benefits of uh human and pokemon interactions right. heck it was arguably the plot of black and white right. to a to a certain extent that was a big key focus is about whether or not the world is better off having humans and pokemons interacting with each mm -hmm. other and and the whole idea that pokemon is essentially a very loose broad allegory for the love of pets if you i think i watched a video about one of the newer a Pokemon designer, like the someone who designs new Pokemon, um, and he was talking about how, like, at least from the design philosophy, Pokemon is about the love of pets, and so every Pokemon, aside from maybe you know some of the like legendaries that have other elements to them, but in the basic sense, Pokemon needs to look like something that could be your friend. A Pokemon <laughs> needs to to look like that in some way. There needs to be some element there. So what I'm what I'm getting at though is that all of those themes really land in an in an environment where it is the near future and you can sort of abstract away the, the any particular cultural influences but when you go back in time you start having to have to address a lot more either address or more directly ignore those sorts of concepts right like it's all well and good to say, ah, yes, here is a near future utopia where there isn't any large scale war. But if you start going into the past and start making references to a past, even if it's an alt history, there's going to be things that you have to address that like real things that have happened. And I'm not entirely <laughs> sure they're going to do a great job of that. There's people much more qualified to talk about what those actual pitfalls are. Um, I implore, I would suggest you do your own research into this time period and what was going on in the world. There are many things that many people would probably say were not great, and Game Freak is either going to have to find a way to address them or just completely look them over. And it will be interesting to see what people have to say about that when it happens. So I'm very interested in almost a morbid way to see how that will all land going forward we'll have to see 
But that that is sort of my concern. And we'll, we'll get more information as time goes on and they break it down a little bit more. But so the, the other thing to bring it back to is that you have the the remakes and then this new game. So there, there's two games that are sort of feeding into the Sinnoh remake idea, right? Because the Legends Arceus also takes place in Sinnoh, in ancient, ancient is maybe not the right word because it's like mm-hmm. 200 years ago, um, in past Sinnoh and the, the more modern remake. And it's almost like you've taken the people who want the really accurate, faithful remake and then you want the people who really just want something different but themed around a location that they're familiar with. And instead of trying to make one game that addresses both of those, which is what I feel like especially... Uh, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire were were trying to do. Um, they've just made two different games, and are trying to satisfy those two different audiences. Which I think you know, obviously it depends on execution, but like honestly, it's kind of a good idea because I think one of the biggest issues that Pokemon has had recently is the fact that they are trying to they're trying to appeal to every type of person who plays video games. And I feel like, especially in Sword and Shield, you can see how that's really stretched things thin along with all of the other issues that I think the development had. But you have, like, you've got all of the people who really like the narrative and, like, putting themselves in the Pokemon world. And you've got all of these characters that have clearly a lot of thought put into them from a base per- line perspective, right? The The pieces of great character design are there and then they don't have the great story to put on top of it the narrative is pretty much almost non-existent but you know you look at artists they love these sword and shield characters guys artists (laughs) love these things and i think that's you know so you've got that then you've got systems like you have interesting ideas like the wild area that clearly sought to reinvent things in a way that appealed to the people who were looking for something more mechanically interesting in the way that the structure of Pokemon went. And they have this great idea, and that's something that a lot of people see a lot of potential in, but then they didn't stick the landing. And then with competitive, you've got, you know, this idea that, hey, Mega Evolutions and Z-Moves are cool, but from a practical standpoint, having every game have like a million different items that you need to collect to be able to play competitive isn't viable long term so we need to come up with new systems and new ways of interacting to help support the community and then they throw in dynamax which solves that problem on paper but then it isn't really balanced in any way that actually makes it useful and so like i think part of the issue with sword and shield that could be rectified by splitting things up like this is no longer trying to appeal to literally everyone with one game because it's not as if anyone you know who am i to say that the people who like stories should just be cut out or the people who like competitive just shouldn't be considered but at the same time there's the understanding that like it's really hard to address all of those people (laughs) but pokemon's global brand relies on them dressing addressing all of those audiences to maintain its global brand power so i think this is part of their way of addressing it is truly trying to maybe split things up to address these groups more separately with multiple games instead of one game that ends up just being kind of mediocre 
in all aspects or having certain good points of all aspects but not like one cohesive thing that everybody likes and i said a lot about pokemon it's time for other people to talk yeah. if they want to jack jack of all trades trying to avoid a jack of all trades mm-hmm. master of none right basically. right Wait. that's that's a really interesting take i had not considered that uh angle of it at all really but now that you mention it, it it does seem like that certainly could be the case although again with the with the vastly different gameplay style i i almost feel it's more like they're trying to avoid dropping another dyn like, like okay cuz first we had mega evolution then we had, now we have dynamaxing which are like okay, they're they're not the same thing Right, but they feel the but same. They feel the same. They're kind purpose. of the same thing. They fulfill the same from a, a game design perspective. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. like you were saying, they're they're very similar in terms of what they accomplish. They're they're, they're just spectacle. Yeah, they really. fit into the they narrative. They don't add the same much to the too. like the way that they're yeah. they're dressed in the narrative is also very similar. You have to get a special wristband that lets you do the thing, and only really good trainers can really managed to do the thing yeah um yeah despite the fact that apparently there's a lot of really good trainers out there yeah. um you know and, and it's just like like ugh. it's tough because it's cool to see them innovate and i like adding new and interesting things to pokemon but just throwing in a new slash old gameplay mechanic or or adding a new spin on an existing gameplay mechanic with every title that's that doesn't scale that doesn't that doesn't right. last you have more to get than one or two generations before people get tired of it and i think that maybe they're i i hope at least that they take this time this kind of downtime between gen 8 and a potential gen 9 to do something new, try something out that's very experimental, which is the the Legends game, uh, while also satisfying, like you said, the 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 more classic fans who want a kind of a something that's that doesn't have all this extra fluff and and stuff thrown in on top of the formula that they already right, are familiar right. with. Right, the people who want just Diamond and Pearl with. Uh, faster decreasing health bars. Yeah, that doesn't take a minute to compl- <laughs> right. to kill. That's a all they need. That's all they up. want. Just let them have yeah, it. Yeah, like just, just like, and and, and I I said this uh, in uh, to a couple different people, but I really hope that while it definitely seems like they may not be including all of the story elements from Platinum, I really hope they include everything else from Platinum. That is the the slightly better UI. I hope they speed up the menus because scrolling through your bag is so slow in that game. <laughs> the only way to make it go fast is using the little spinner on the touch screen and that's annoying. <laughs> um but also there are dungeons that are borderline unfinished in Diamond. I I said this in the game called the Discord before, but every anybody remember the math dungeon or the not the math dungeon, the math gym? In, I think it was Heart Home City, where you just walked into a completely empty room with a sign in the middle of it that had a math problem <laughs> on it. And based on your answer, you walk into one of three doors. And, like, there was no aesthetic to the dungeon whatsoever. It was just empty, 
featureless rooms and with a single sign themed because math is spooky and so are ghosts <laughs> yeah like it it just it made no sense platinum really did a lot of that but it also uh different things like the different buildings that platinum infiltrated um were uh, almost entirely featureless in uh in certain buildings like uh, uh like places that you visit for story purposes were just generic apartment tile sets mm-hmm. and then were given complete facelifts in platinum i really if nothing else they really need to include all the additional content non-story content that they had from platinum because comparing the two i really think it is the case that you could argue that diamond and pearl were almost unfinished by comparison mm-hmm. and that's what i really hope and and getting back to on track to what i was talking about earlier i hope that what they're trying to that game freak and nintendo and the pokemon company are trying to do here is i think we discussed this on previous podcasts that they were caught up in the success of pokemon go and all this other stuff and now they're still kind of trying to work out what they want to do how they want to move forward mm-hmm. and i hope that they take this downtime between generations now that they're making this one game that's really experimental they'll see how it does see what the reaction is uh then they'll see how this classic remake that tries to be very nice and faithful goes and then they'll take what they learned from both of these and that what they learned from Gen 8, Sword and Shield, and try and use these different aspects to try and decide where they want to take the series in the future with Generation 9, or even if maybe they want to split the series up and have the experimental stuff be in their own kind of branch and then just make future regular Pokemon games be more classical styled. Although I personally don't think that's going to be the case because again, just rehashing the same thing over and over will only get you so far. And it really works best if the reason that you are rehashing something is because you're also rehashing and a game that was built off of those more basic mechanics in the past. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's definitely going to be a balance if they decide if they decide to go with a more classical approach for future games. We will be watching their careers with great interest. <laughs> I think there's and I mean there is a lot to do. to we could potentially say about like this whole thing. There's a lot of depth to like that whole thing and maybe it would things can also change a lot as more information comes up. So we'll we'll really have to see. Um, I think we mm-hmm. should, though, move in to brief stints in games that we've been playing. Um, first of all, uh, I will I will just throw in uh, one thing I, I have done as I was doing a Pokemon Fire Red Nuzlocke. I'm in Victory Road, and I was doing really well until I got to Victory Road, and then things... It turns out Victory Road is actually hard when you don't just have a Blastoise that's like level 70 that can one-hit <laughs> KO everything. Um, there's po- there's people who actually use like strategy in there. There was like a... Is it a, is it a randomizer nose? No, it's just, just regular. Just regular. But there was a Dugong that had Sheer Cold with one-hit KO move and it's like, I've never seen that before. And then my Dugtrio oh. died. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh no, it was... I what was it? never play a Nuzlocke. I think it, I no, it was a Machoke. It was a Machoke because that's, that's why it was out against the dugong um oh yeah and then, fighting versus yeah 
Uh, so, so, but, but that's been interesting. Um, but then I also, uh, just to end a story that I think I did talk about on the podcast before, I, I think I mentioned a long lost Game Boy game, uh, like original Game Boy game that I had when I got the original Game Boy. It was this basketball game that I remembered being terrible, but I had no idea where it went. Turns out, um, our car, uh, someone <laughs> came into the parking lot and stole the catalytic converter from it. And so it had to be taken into the shop. And uh, when they took it into the shop, they took it apart and they found a whole bunch of stuff in the car seats. And it turns out that that's where that video game was the whole time. And so I was able to get it back, see that it was uh, an LJN game, which explained a lot. Um, (laughs) And play it. And guess what? It is really bad. The only thing you can do is you, there's a half court. You pick a, one of the names of a basketball players that I don't I know Larison Bird whoever he is. <laughs> what you don't and know Larry Bird? <laughs> I know the name. Um, I recognize the name as a good basketball player. Um, but uh, and then you run around this half court, and if you don't have the ball, you run up to the person and mash A really fast, and maybe you'll get the ball. And if you have the ball, you press the B button to jump, and then while you're in the air, you press the B button again. And the ball will go toward the goal, and it's kind of just, maybe it'll go in. And the computer is much better at deciding whether or not it will go in. <laughs> and that's sounds, the video sounds game. Sounds like NBA Jam to me. And that's the video game. So we can finally put a little <laughs> bow on that story, wherever it is in the in the game Cola Can. That is what happened to that video game. And it is now returned to my collection, for better or for worse. Uh, John. Who steals a catalytic? <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, apparently they're like $300. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, yeah, but what they must have the same car as you. Yeah, or I would something. imagine they were gonna sell it. Oh yeah, to someone to a fence who, who would car. then provide it to whoever wanted a catalytic converter, or melt On it down for, for the 7, gold dollars, or melt it down for like the gold or copper or whatever's <laughs> in it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, John, what video games have you been playing in recent times? Uh, short answer: Tomb Raider. Lots and lots of Tomb Raider. <laughs> Uh, I recently I recently bought a uh, PS3, uh, a Model One PS3 that's backwards compatible with PS2 and PS1 mm. and they, all that good stuff. So I also bought the entire, uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much the entire back catalog of the Tomb Raider games, and the first one still holds up. Hmm. I am surprised. It is such it is such a good video video game. Like the export, the it's atmospheric, very exploration is very rewarding it had the puzzles are very obtuse especially if you're going for like all the secrets like there's one secret you have to like stand on three different 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 floor texture tiles on the ground that have like very little indication that they are and then a door on the other side of the room opens up for like a short amount of time (laughs) and you're like why is that is that and then there's like so many uh the i do love it how Every jump you make, it's like when you make a jump in a Mario game, it's like every muscle in your body tenses up. (laughs) 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 It's like, it's like, okay, I have to jump across this entire room. I have to do a running jump and, and, and I have to jump exactly when Laura's left foot is at the very edge of the, of the, of the cliff. And then not, and not only that, I have to hit the grab button when I hit the very edge of the, of the cliff I'm running towards. Hmm. So there's a lot of those, especially very late in the game. And, um, my, my roommate just put, just played it and it was so much fun. 
Bosses were very easy, though. But And then we moved on to Tomb Raider 2, and the game froze at the end of the first level, mm-hmm. so we moved on to Tomb Raider 3. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so, uh, I think Tomb Raider 3 probably has the most, the hardest, like, first levels in any video game ever, because it's just filled with cheap shots. You walk into a room and all of a sudden a boulder comes and kills you. <laughs> Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I had so many of those Indiana Jones moments. But yeah, uh, to excuse me from rambling on too long, but yeah, I bought one, two, three, four, five, all for like dirt cheap, by the way. This wasn't an expensive purchase. Um, I even bought six, which is apparently the worst game in the, in the series. Hey, maybe it'll be worth lots of money later. No. It's worth seven. It's worth eight dollars right now. <laughs> right now, but remember, we were saying the be- the worst games in a well-known series. It also got a greatest hits version on PS2, so I think it did sell ah. a lot. It just sucked. Okay. <laughs> just wait fifty years, then it'll be rare. I doubt that. Jenny, what video games yeah. have you been playing in recent times? Um. So on uh, on the last family game night which you can watch on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can watch it on the archive, uh, as we've mm-hmm. begun saying. Don't call it a VOD. Jenny will yeah. get very upset. Do not mention the <laughs> V word. I hate that word so much. Uh, <laughs> all, all YouTube videos are VODs. They're video what if on I say so What if I stupid. say video on demand? Is that acceptable? But why would you? I just you? say VOD. But why would you? What does that mean, video on demand? Like that's it such means a, I can watch it's it like, when It's I not demand. like you're watching it on your TiVo. I, dem- I demand, I demand vid- to watch this <laughs> like, video. I demand this video and I click on it. Yeah, like it's just a video. Like you can say you can watch the video on the archive, but like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch the video on demand version of this video. Uh, it kills me. Um, this kills the jetty. Um, so anyway, the, as I had mentioned... On family game night, uh, when you when we were discussing this, uh, I had been playing Mercenaries Saga uh, on the Nintendo Switch, which um, kind of an indie game from Japan uh, that is a tactical RPG. Um, the thing is, is like that's all that it is. Like when you talk about Final Fantasy Tactics, there's like you know an actual story there that people still go back for the story, even if the gameplay. Uh, is entertaining but not perfect or whatever. This is just like there's tactical RPG gameplay. There's some bad guys who are bad and we're going to go fight them because we're mercenaries. Um so I played a few hours of that and then gave up. Uh and instead <clears throat> I have been following some accounts on Twitter that just post like cool screenshots of old video games and like occasionally I'll be really impressed and I'll go download them. Um, and finally, I sat down and loaded them onto my Retro Freak so that I can play these varieties of, like, uh, you know, Sega Genesis uh, RPGs that were only released in Japan. Or, like, uh, I played some Fatal Labyrinth. That was a good one. Um, I played a game called Great Greed for the Game Boy, and I was very much enjoying uh, the ridiculous plot of that. Uh, I was really impressed by the battle system. It was, I don't know, like, some of these old games, they were released at a time when, like, why are you going to play a Game Boy game when you could be playing Nintendo 64, right? But It still messes me up that the Game Boy was still in, yeah, like, still relevant. Big, like, 
full production during the N64 era. Yeah, that like 10 years after release, it's still going. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they no, had and... the color. Like, it was yeah, a yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, but I mean, well, uh, no, the color came out in 2000. <laughs> okay, never mind then. But... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so the color came out in 2000. Yeah. So, because that was when Pokemon Gold and Silver and Crystal came out. And, um, yeah, but no, the... that's a good point. The the thing it is, still blows my mind. Nintendo didn't make a backlit handheld for twenty years. <laughs> well, I mean, they did. They just only released it in Japan. They um, how many units did that sell? Like three? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like three. But they um, apparently no one in Japan liked it. I don't. I don't know. I have no idea why they didn't ever sell it in America. Yeah. Um. I, I I've tried playing some older games. Uh. You know that I had never heard of or whatever before, and uh was sorely disappointed at the quality of them. It's like, oh, well, there's a reason I've never heard of this one. Uh, but these, I don't know, uh, finally sitting down and playing these ones, I had a whole lot of fun and was very impressed by you know some of the, the tricks that they learned 10 years into Game Boy development. Mm. Um, so, I don't know, maybe I will record some videos. Yeah, maybe we can get some Retro Freak Roulette back in action. Watch on VOD. <laughs> it just, just does. Uh, it feels bad to say. You can watch the video. Well, first of all, you would say watch it on the VOD. Like you're not saying it correctly. <laughs> but the video I just, just say man. watch it on the Game Cola YouTube. Channel. Exactly. So why would you say watch the VOD on the Game Cola YouTube? That's you dumb. You were the say, one watch... who said watch it on the archive. <laughs> well, no, but I, I'm fine with saying watch it on. In, right, watch... but that's my point. You could also just leave it. Because it's the stream archive yeah. on the game. Both Cola. are correct. Like... I'll be, I'm, I'm gonna be. On, yeah. I'm gonna throw my hat in the ring here and say I've never heard anyone use VOD until today. Really? Use what? <laughs> no, it's like call it VOD. Oh, I, I've like, heard I, a couple of people call it. VOD, yeah, but... it's bothered me every time that I've heard it. <laughs> every time when I hear someone pronounce it, they pronounce it VOD. Well, maybe that's oh, depending VOD. on your regional accent. Um, yeah, depending on the regional <laughs> accent, could be. Maybe um, I just read it as VOD, and I've never actually heard anyone say it. But either way, VOD isn't any better. Like giving yeah. a needless abbreviation. <laughs> what if I? What if we say VOD, but we make it sound like one word, like VOD? Uh, watch How the VOD. About that? Watch it on the VOD. <laughs> that, well, then people that, are just going to be confused. It's going to sound like you just mispronounced the video. It just sounds like someone doesn't know how to read the word video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all thinking the exact same joke. <laughs> um. So- now we're back to videos. Yeah. Jetty, yeah. did you actually talk about any of the video games? Yeah, that I told you, you played about. Yeah, I talked about uh, Fatal Labyrinth. I talked about Great Greed. I talked about uh, okay. was it Castle Quest, Brian's Quest. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that I played. Uh, like I, I have, I loaded like 30 new ROMs onto my Retro Freak. Um, that I had this like backlog that I've been collecting over like the last year. I was like, I should finally sit down and play these. Yeah, it would definitely be like I'm. I'm sure there's probably you know since they're lesser known, there's probably not a lot of people who have seen them. It'd be cool to show them off to people. Yeah, definitely. Uh, James, what video games have you been playing in recent times? Oh boy! <laughs> now, James, so, I will remind popcorn. you, we are at this point at least an hour into recording the podcast. 
that's, that's fine. I we can we can we can make it an extra long one. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, after a lot of you know pauses and break, after kind of a long pause and break, mm-hmm. uh, I finally finished uh, Thirteen Sentinels: Aegis Rim. Uh, if I, I, I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's a game by Atlas and uh, Vanillaware. Uh, people who made Persona would probably be what most people yeah, know. Yeah, well, Atlas for. are the people who made Persona, uh, and Vanillaware are the people that have made, I think it's like Dragon's Orb. Uh, not, neither of them were like super amazing, huge hits, but they have a very unique art style. And just, oh my goodness, this game, it is currently up there for my my favorite game of 2020 genuinely it is the soundtrack is fantastic um the art is immaculate one of the most gorgeous 2d games i've seen uh, in in recent memory it's phenomenal the story is mind-boggling uh to the point where it's been so long i really can't comprehend a- <laughs> anything anymore it's so heavily convoluted that there is a completion percentage in the game based on uh how much of the story you've you've reminisced and tried to follow up on (laughs) that that's how complicated and interwoven uh the story is it's it's incredibly deep Uh, a streamer or not a streamer but a youtuber i watch had a 10 hour long live stream just dedicated to trying to piecing the story together <laughs> after he beat the game just to to give you some perspective uh and that was playing the game with very like with only like a one day break in between sessions like you play the game for about two hours and then play a different game the next day and then switching back and forth making a a, a bi-daily series out of it and he still needed like 10 hours to go over and discuss the story with his his fans in his chat um, but the story's incredible. The gameplay, um, I it is a it's a combination of sort of adventure game in the style of LucasArts, uh, if you're familiar with those, and then a real time strategy sort of tower defense game. And I've never really played those kinds of games before, but I was able to get the hang of it and those battles get pretty challenging, uh, up to the end of the game. Although I will say on a standard original model base PS4, the last couple battles, not the final battle, but the couple battles leading up to the final battle, there were so many enemies on screen, it was genuinely a slideshow. <laughs> <laughs> I am not kidding you when I say I was probably in the single-digit frame rates. It was, it was like, okay... The the rest of, like the majority of the game runs just fine on base PS4. That part was so bad. <laughs> it was so laggy. Uh, it was just frankly hilarious how how slow the game got uh, during those parts. So be aware of that. Um, you know, it didn't crash or anything. My PS4's fan didn't really go <laughs> crazy, sounding like a jet taking off, but. Uh, and for the most part, the performance was solid, absolutely solid. Um, but yeah, just be aware that if you're on a base PS4, those last couple battles can get pretty slow, uh, and they can get pretty difficult uh, if you're, especially if you're not good at that kind of gameplay. But 
I enjoyed the gameplay. It was a lot of fun. Um, I feel like near the end of the game, you kind of start to lose a little bit of motivation for upgrading parts of your characters. I think you kind of hit a wall. Uh, and that's and that's without me going back and replaying missions to get more uh, experience points. Um, which is a thing that you can do and potentially is something recommended if you're playing on harder difficulties. But uh, aside from that, like I, I would rate this game probably 9 out of 10 uh, if I were doing a game called a review. But just phenomenal game. It, it really has not been getting a lot of press. So I, I've said this before on a much earlier podcast when I first started playing the game. I highly recommend you buy this game just to support the developers and the significant amount of work that went into making it and localizing it and even producing a dub for it almost entirely from home that still somehow sounds like it was done in a professional recording studio mm-hmm. during the, the you know because it was made during the pandemic and just it's phenomenal if you like any sort of that stuff just go out and buy this game. It is a treat, and I I really think you will enjoy it. So um uh I'm sorry, but for anyone who's like listening in their car who got interested after you started talking about it being this game, the game, uh it. What was yeah, it? Yeah, Thirteen Sentinels Aegis Rim. Okay, very cool. Thank you. Or a a Aegis. <laughs> that's spelled A E G I S. So it's like Aegis, Aegis, yeah. Aegis, depending on your regional <laughs> accent. Okay. Um, yes, thank you. So yeah, 13 Sentinels, <laughs> Aegis Rim. It is a, oh, I should also stress, this is a PS4 exclusive right now. I don't know if it will always be that way, um, but frankly, I hope it, it gets brought to other platforms considering how little marketing Sony has done for it, despite it being an exclusive. Is it, I mean, so, PS5 too? Like. It, well, yeah, it's it is a PS4 game, so okay, but it plays on PS5, but it is a PS4 game. It is PS4 Pro enhanced, so 4K rendering and all that stuff. Okay, but, okay. just because uh, I, but yeah, PS5, PS4 interactions yeah. are in a weird yeah, yeah, space yeah. right so, now. <laughs> certainly, but I know that you can like I know the the YouTuber I was talking about. He he bought a PS5. He got it and he transferred the game over to it. So I don't. I would assume you can download it, but it, again, it's just a PS4 game is what it's considered. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then the other things I've been getting into, uh, I've been buying up a bunch of the Metal Gear Solid games. I actually just arrived today. The Metal oh. Gear Solid Essentials Collection, which is uh, the PS2 copies, uh, or it has both discs of Metal Gear Solid 1, uh, and then it has the first disc of the enhanced versions of Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3. So it has so that's uh substance and subsistence, but it's only the first discs, meaning not a lot of the bonus content. Sounds I just bu- I just bought the first game on PS1. Nice. Awesome. <laughs> I I've never played the series before. I've seen a couple people play it or talk about it. Um but I, I kind of wanted to start at the beginning. I actually do own the HD collection on my PS3, although I mainly do that for stuff like Snake Eater um, and the the enhanced the 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 official localizations of Metal Gear One and Two from the MSX Japanese home computers, which that's the only official way that you can play those, to my knowledge. 
they're also available on the second discs of uh, Substance and Subsistence, I believe. They're they're also on the uh, on the special features option on the Metal Gear Three in the HD collection. Okay, yeah, that that's what I thought, and that's why, and, and you know, I I can play the HD collection versions. I have no problems with that. But I have heard that there are a couple differences between the PS2 and the HD versions of the game. So I figure, plus, now that the PS3 store is shutting down and all that, which, do we want to talk about that? Uh, I don't think we have time. <laughs> we don't have time. Well, we'll talk about it next time. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it when it has more closed. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, right. considering that's going to be happening in a couple months, I wanted to have uh, some physical copies of mm-hmm. these games. So I figured, why not get some variety instead of purchasing physical copies of games that I do already own digitally? Mm. Well, I think you're know, talking. You're talking about super convoluted stories. I think if you're a fan of super convoluted stories, again, from what I yeah. know of Metal Gear Solid, I think yeah, you'll be. Metal I was gonna. Solid. I was gonna say it's just as stupid, if not more stupid than King Nano Machine Son. <laughs> Nano Why machines. are we still Always here? Nano machines. <laughs> Just suffer. Just suffer. Oh. <laughs> All right. Um, so I think that's the podcast. I think we did it, everyone. We did a podcast. We'd like to thank you here, everyone, for listening and paying their respects to Mario Jumpman Mario <laughs> in this trying time. Um, thank you for Rest listening to this edition of the Game Cola podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to check us out on our actual internet website, Game Cola. Dot net and as well as our YouTube channel, gc.net, the letter G, the letter C, the word dot, the word net. We got Danganronpa 2 stuff going up there periodically. We've got our Family Game Night live streams that we've been doing every Thursday, and we've maintained it for three whole Thursdays. Um, Holy crap. Wow. So, I mean, like a pattern, right? Um, so, yeah, Thursdays around, around 8, 8.30 uh, Eastern Standard or Eastern Daylight, whichever one we're in now, time, uh, you can find it. Also, we'll, we post, you know, the little thing up beforehand so you can click on it and I'll tell you what time it'll happen. Um, if you want to know about announcements and stuff like that, though, you could also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Game Cola, and you'll find us. And, of course, if you uh, like this podcast, maybe you're thinking, you know, I like this podcast, but uh, the platform I'm currently listening to it on is not my preferred platform. Well, I'm happy to tell you that it probably is on your preferred platform, whether that be this iTunes, Spotify, a website on the Internet with a little video player where you click the play button, uh, YouTube. Um, all those podcatchers that just scan RS feed, RSS feeds <laughs> and put podcasts in there. And I'm not really sure how that works or how legal that is, but like, you know, if that's what you want to do, go for it. Um, we also, uh, you know, if you want to support the show, uh, you know, great things to do, share it with your friends. Word of mouth is the best way to spread podcasts. You can also rate us on iTunes, leave us a review if you have some other podcast thing that allows for some sort of rating and commenting or reviewing do that too we'd love to hear we'd love to hear from you yeah those those are the things i had to say did i miss anything probably the better g the letter c the letter oh yeah the youtube channel did i say that did i i thought i said the letter g well we didn't say the letter g the letter c the word dot and the word well that's the youtube channel the letter g the letter c the word dot and the word net if you want to find my favorite bit we should change the name to the words the word the letter <laughs> like what if we literally the... maybe that's what we should do for april fool's day <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we do what? Change, Change it to literally the, the letter, letter C. G. The letter C. The letter C. The letter C. The word dot. The word net. I am ninety five percent sure you have to keep the name up for a certain amount of time <laughs> before you can change it again. <laughs> Anyway, thank you for listening to this edition of the Game Call Podcast. Have a wonderful time of day, wherever it is, whenever it is you are listening to this podcast, and we will talk to you next month. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Somebody. Okay. okay, I Joe. thought that was just me. I was like, uh-oh. I thought Joe, but Joe just cut out Joe, there. Joe, you, you there, Joe? No, no, Nintendo killed him, too. Nintendo got him. <laughs> Martin Joseph Joe! strikes again. <laughs> no. Joe! Dun, dun. Joe! Joe! Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, high five.